0: everyone and welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline, the place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your host, Erin Royer. So summer is in full swing here in the U.S. and in Europe, I'm sure. I hope everyone who is in the Northern Hemisphere is having a great summer and those in the Southern Hemisphere are having a good winter. And I'm always curious what your school schedule is like because I always think of June and July as our summer. So i just always curious about what that is like for in the Southern Hemisphere, how that affects the schedule. I'm curious, are you guys in school all June and July and then have your break over December and January? That's my guess. Anyway, our summer is just beyond busy. Swim practice at 7 a.m., junior lifeguards for our oldest, a different camp every week for our twins. They have gymnastics, horseback riding, ice skating, dance, cub scouts, and surfing camp. Our neighborhood swim team, where my husband and I are the hospitality volunteers for their team, is in full swing. And I'm working on planning my daughter's Cub Scout year. Carter's still trying to qualify for Junior Olympics, so we head out for a three-day swim meet in Las Vegas tomorrow. Then my own race is coming up fast, four weeks from Saturday. So I'll be heading to Colorado two weeks before to try to acclimate as much as I can. I'm planning to still do the podcast, at least the first week I'm there. The second week, I'm in Boulder with my family to do the last-minute training on the course and visit with family. If I can think of a fun way to tie my race into parenting and do a podcast report from Boulder, Colorado, I'd love to do that. Any ideas, feel free to send them my way. Uh, The race I'm doing is the Ironman Boulder 70.3, which basically means it's half distance of a full Ironman, 140.6. I'm still planning to do a full Ironman next year, and I currently have my sights on Ironman Louisville. But enough about that. I have a couple questions this week, both from Elaine, who sent these in. The first is a common question about early morning wake-ups, but with its own nuances. And the second question is one I've never had, but a really good one I think a lot of parents will want to know about in case they ever come across it, and likely they will. So the first question from Elaine, who wrote... At present, we are struggling with early wake-ups. We have a 22-month-old boy. He sleeps around 6.45 p.m. He's very tired and sometimes points to go to bed. There's no problem falling asleep. He usually sleeps through, although lately he's been waking up at times around 1 a.m. And then after we go get him and stay a few minutes, he settles back in. He sleeps with a dummy, one in his mouth and one in his hand. And for now, we decided to let him use it just for sleep time. Then he wakes up between 5 and 5.30 and this has been going on for months and he won't settle back. A few months ago we used to bring him into our bed and then he sleeps again but then he started waking up in the middle of the night and wanted to come so we stopped doing that over a month ago and we have been consistent. Now when he wakes up we go to get him and tell him it's still nighttime and it's time to rest but he wants to get out and he's awake. Sometimes he needs a nappy change, and we're changing this in his room, and if it's before 6 a.m., we put him back in his cot. He's not happy and protests and cries. We go to get him. Give him a cuddle and say it's time to rest. We don't let him cry for long before we go back. He usually settles for maybe 15 minutes and then starts over again. Usually after 6 a.m., we switch on the light, and he also has a grow clock in his room where the sun comes on so he knows it's daytime and time to get up. He then runs around in our bedroom while we get ready to go downstairs, and sometimes he likes climbing in bed to read a book. It's getting at me because every morning we wake up early to crying, and I wish there's something we could do to move his body clock to after 6 a.m. We realize that we created bad habits by bringing him in our bed. We also tried moving his bedtime a bit later, but he still wakes up at 5-ish. He usually naps for 1 to one 1.5 hours after lunch. I do feel he could do with some more sleep as usually around 9:30 to 10, he starts getting a bit tired and if we're driving he would fall asleep, but we try to avoid that now as he only naps once a day. Any help and tips would be greatly appreciated. So I always like to start with the total recommended hours by age and work from there. So He's 22 months, almost two years old. So at two, the recommended sleep is 12 and a half to 13 hours in any 24 hour period. At 18 months, it's not much different. 12 and a half to 13 and a half. So it looks like your son is averaging about 10 and a half at night and another hour to hour and a half nap, which gets you to 11 and a half to 12 hours a day. So he's really pretty close. He's maybe just a little shy. Another 30 minutes to an hour would get him to the low to middle of that average. But first I wanna talk about a term and then I'm gonna give some thoughts. The term is called sleep pressure and this is just what it sounds like. It's how strong our need is for sleep. At bedtime, sleep pressure is very strong and continues to be lesser so but fairly strong throughout the middle of the night and gradually gets less so by morning. And by morning it's pretty light since we've been sleeping throughout the night. Sleep pressure at nap time is also lesser than at bedtime. So just keep that in mind which is why it's really hard to get him to go back to sleep in the morning. So now I'm gonna cover my thoughts about this. Now the first is you did a great job in stopping the snuggling in your bed because if you can't set that boundary really tight with the middle of the night versus the morning time, then it's good to just not do it at all. So you, you've got that middle of the night wake up fixed or mostly fixed and that will peter out over time also. Um, It also tends to open that door, like you did, and it can be a slippery slope that toddlers really try to take advantage of. So if that starts to happen, then it's good to just cut that off altogether. So the good news is that it's not that he's having trouble putting himself back to sleep, because he is sleeping 10 and a half hours through the night. If he were waking every two to three hours, I would say he's having a lot of trouble learning how to put himself to sleep. That's not his problem. So he might be waking up early for several reasons. You know, It could be because of the wet nappy, it could be because of hunger or something like that. And once that sleep pressure is off or really minimized, it's so low, it might just not be enough to allow him to fall back to sleep if he's hungry or uncomfortable in some other way. My, so my thought on that is if you do need to change the nappy, be it in the middle of the night or early morning, is to do it as quietly and expediently as possible. So have everything ready to go so you can do it quickly. You want to keep the lights off or as low as possible with little to no talking. No talking is best if you can. If you have a night light and it's enough to see or a dimmer switch on the lights in the room to keep the lights down really low, that is really helpful. Because the fact that he's crying tells me that he's uncomfortable in some way, hungry or he's wet and he's just uncomfortable. And he probably is still a little tired, but that's waking him up because that sleep pressure is really low at that point. And if he gets too awake, it's just gonna be pretty hard to fall back to sleep. The other thought is related to the sleep pressure also. And that's that we can't force a child to do a lot of things. And one of those is to sleep, to stay in their bed or stay in their room. Sure. But to fall asleep? No, we can give them the tools. We can give them the opportunity, but we really can't force them to fall asleep. So you have to decide, is the struggle to keep him in his bed or in his room to try to go back to sleep worth it? Will it result in him learning to fall back to sleep for a bit in the morning or not? Maybe if you can keep that nappy change to something really, really insignificant and really quick and quiet, maybe that will help. Um, it sounds like in your case, he, it's just not happening. He's really just not tired enough to fall back to sleep, but maybe try the changing that differently, keeping it super quiet and, and super dark and see if that helps. And then you said about moving his body clock. You can move his body clock. A 6.45 bedtime is pretty early. And it is common for kids to still wake at their usual time at first when you first try to move it because their body is just used to waking up at that time. So it takes a couple of days. So what you want to do is you want to push the bedtime 15 minutes every three to four days. So you would want to do this until you get to around 7.30 at night. This would get him sleeping into 6 to 6.45. But also you want to move the nap time so that his whole body clock is moving. You move that up 15 minutes as well. So the first three to four nights, you put him to bed at seven. And then the next day you move the nap time 15 minutes later. Now the first few mornings will likely be difficult. He will likely wake at the same time. But after that, he should start to adjust. Then you want to move it another 15 minutes for three to four days. As far as him being a little short on sleep, there's not a lot more you can do, but just give him the opportunities you already do, and hopefully his body will adjust by sleeping later in the morning, or he'll start to tack a little bit more onto his nap time in the afternoons. Now, there's all kinds of things that can affect sleep especially things like teething and developmental spurts. It can make things rough for a short while, and then they'll sort themselves out again. So it's also possible that he's going through a bit of a developmental spurt. This could be anything, a physical growth spurt, a cognitive growth spurt. Any of these will cause can cause some disturbances in sleep. And then once the developmental period starts to slow down again, the sleep will come back. So stay consistent with your bedtime routines, your bedtimes, except for possibly moving them a little bit later every 15 minutes every few days as you settle into a new schedule. You want to stay consistent with the middle of the night wakings like you have been and keep the nap times consistent except for like I said moving those forward 15 minutes every 3 to 4 days in sync with the bedtimes that you're moving forward. And you want to keep giving the opportunity for sleep. So his body can learn to take those. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners, ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Visit homethreads.com parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com parenting to get your code for 15% off your order. Because great parenting deserves a great home. Home Threads love where you live. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new to you styles. A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash parenting to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. The next question from Elaine is about aggression, but about what to do when someone else's child acts aggressively. This is a great question. We haven't gotten this one yet, so... Elaine asked, yesterday we went playing with another child his age and she was pushing him and sometimes he fell over and got upset. The other girl then laughs and she looks like she's having fun. I struggled to know what to say to my son as he came to me and looked up to me. The other mom was telling her daughter that she was naughty and we do not push, but I would prefer using positive words and maybe something along the line to verbalize his upset. So... This is just a great question. So I want to explain the behavior on the part of the other child, just so we're all on the same page and can understand this as an adult, from an adult perspective. So young toddlers have little to no concept of empathy in most cases. There is a rare toddler you will see who will comfort another when they're upset and seem to instinctively get it. But for most, empathy does not even begin to develop until around age three. And then it takes many years, until around 9 or 10, to fully develop. So a young child who laughs at another's pain, or hits, grabs, scratches, pushes, is not a little monster by any means but just a child who really doesn't understand that other people are actually feeling hurt or upset. So for this little girl, just like when kids drop things from their high chair to see gravity doing its thing, it's really interesting. And they get a sense of power from seeing a cause and effect from their actions. And I think this is likely exactly what she was doing. Sometimes seeing another child react is exciting and fun, not Because they're upset, but because it's a cause and effect. They're having effect on the world, and this is exciting to them. But they're not trying to be mean. They simply lack the understanding. Now, of course, this doesn't mean we allow it or accept it, but it makes it easier to understand and approach as a way of teaching rather than immediately becoming angry at them for being mean. And this can go for our own children as well, obviously, because we're probably not going to get too angry with another person's child. Inside, we might be feeling angry, but hopefully this helps to pull that back and understand like, oh, she's not being mean, she's just really doesn't understand that he has feelings and he's getting hurt by this. So when it comes to talking to your own kids about other kids' behavior, you can use it as an opportunity to teach them about empathy, about how being pushed or kicked or that kind of thing doesn't feel very good, that nobody likes it. And so we wanna make sure that we don't do that to others. You also can explain that the other child, if the child is a young toddler, was likely not trying to be mean or hurt you, but doesn't understand that what he or she was doing is upsetting to others, and they need a chance to learn. And then you can coach your child how to teach the other child how to handle the situation by using their words and helping them practice. So you wanna teach your child to say whatever it is, something like, don't push me, I don't like it. You can teach them to say it, help them to practice it, so that when it happens again, that he could say, don't push me, I don't like it. And then you can step in and help because when kids are really this young, they do need a lot of help with their social interactions. And these are really important life lessons for our kids to learn. Empathy from the other side is a great opportunity to learn about when another person is hurt, that we can hurt other people, that they have feelings that don't match our own. It may seem fun to you, but they don't like it. So you're learning to they're learning about that. You're teaching them about that. You also have an opportunity to teach them how to advocate for themselves through using their words. I don't like it. And then of course, it's always okay to step in if the other parent isn't paying attention or doesn't say anything. Or if the kids are trying to work it out or your child uses their words or even doesn't use their words, the other child is still being aggressive. But you just want to step in in a calm manner to teach the other child it's not okay. And also, obviously, it's always okay to protect your child and it teaches your child how to stand, learn to stand up and advocate for themselves. Please don't push him. That can hurt. Now, usually an adult who's not someone they know is enough to startle a child into stopping the behavior. So And there are times we need to advocate for our kids, and I've told this story before in an episode quite a while ago, but it bears repeating here. And this was when my younger son was five, and he was being bullied by a six-year-old. So if you want to hear about this story and learn about what I did, if you haven't heard it yet, I'll share that in just a moment. But first, if you have any issues with your own bedtimes, nighttime struggles, or other sleep issues... There are two sleep classes on the website at yourvillageonline.com. There's infant sleep and toddler sleep. It's under the health and development section. And of course, there's 50 other classes in almost every area of concern and challenge for kids of all ages. So when my younger son was five, we had some new friends. And one of these quote unquote friends unfortunately he was not very nice. He was not very nice to my five-year-old son, and he ended up bullying him pretty bad. He was on our community swim team, and one day I met this mom at the community pool, and we were hanging out, and he just started being relentless with Chandler. He just was picking on him, being re- being really mean to him. Chandler was very upset and in tears, and the mom just kind of sat there, and she didn't do anything. She didn't step in at all, and I really didn't know what to do. What I ended up doing was saying, you know what, Chandler, let's just go home. Let's This just isn't going well. Let's go home. And I had to pack up all of our stuff and leave. And one of the other parents helped me pack up the car with all of our floaties and towels and everything. And he was like, yeah, that kid was not being very nice. And the mom was not being very helpful. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Well, unfortunately, this bullying continued. It continued during swim practice when I couldn't be in the pool. When they were swimming beside each other in the pool, I had to talk to the coaches and say, can you please separate these two so that he doesn't have an opportunity to pick on my son? But it was like every opportunity this kid got, he would go for Chandler. If he would see Chandler sitting somewhere, he would make a beeline for him and start picking on him. And it just, it got bad. So I did go to the mom, I asked for her help. I told her what was going on, and I said, can you please help me? Of course she didn't end up doing anything, nothing got better. And one evening this kid shows up at our house to play. And so my husband and I sat down with him and we talked to him about this behavior. And we basically just said, do you know why we're talking to you? And he said, no. And I said, I think you do. And so he did fess up that he had been being mean to Chandler. And we had to talk about it. And it never happened again. We took care of it. Uh, the mom was not very happy with me about it. To this day, she still barely talks to me. But I'm okay with that because I had to handle it. I had to take care of it. And, of course, this child did end up bullying a couple of other kids at school that same fall, which was my concern that it was going to follow through into fall at school, where I couldn't be there and there would be nothing I could do. So you know, that was the way I had to take care of it, and so I did, and it never happened again. In the meantime, they ended up changing schools, and I don't know whatever happened, if he's gotten better about that type of behavior, but this was just how I needed to take care of it, and I don't regret for a second stepping in and taking care of my child in the way that I felt like was very responsible and respectful, especially given that I had asked for the mom's help first. So if you have a parenting question you'd like answered, send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week.